0: Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Sal Vetri here, and we are going to take our first look, make some initial picks for the XFL Week 2 slate. Salaries dropped recently. I'm recording this video right now at 4.30 a.m. East Coast time, bright and early. Did all the research yesterday to put together a Preliminary look at this. Now, if you're part of Patreon, you got the entire recap about a 45 minute podcast of week one, some stats that stood out, uh, snap count notes, uh, game logs, all that type of stuff over there. So be sure to check that out if you're not already a Patreon, as well as you'll have specific rankings throughout the week, my tiers, actually seeing where my interests lie in terms of yeses comparing to the maybes that'll be here over on YouTube. But if you're over here on YouTube, we have a ton of statistics that I got to dig through. Multiple different sites were actually covering the XFL, which was very nice to see. And I'm going to give you a ton of advanced stats that I wasn't expecting to have for the XFL week for week two after week one. I wasn't thinking this was going to be the case, but based on how well everything else went for the XFL, it makes sense that companies are going to invest their statistical analysis um, into this. So with that said, welcome if you're new here. My name is Sal Betry. I do cover daily fantasy sports as a full-time independent content creator in a variety of different sports, including the XFL right here, right now. So I ask you, if you are here, if you enjoy my content from last week's XFL, got any help from it, from MBA and you have gotten help from that, or if you're brand new here, you test it out, you like what I have to say, please do hit that subscribe button. Takes just a second of your time, it's totally free, and it helps me be able to produce this content. Makes me be able to get up at 4.30 and spend all day and all night just researching to put content together, so please do hit that subscribe button. We're approaching 20,000 subscribers, which is like, I keep saying this wholesome number just seems like um, such a fun number to get to. Uh, something of like a a priority of mine so thank you I do appreciate it with that being said we're going to jump right into this video just want to urge people to hit that subscribe button so starting with the quarterback position I've labeled four of the eight quarterbacks and look it's it's Tuesday so maybe you already saw a defensive coach get fired maybe you see somebody get I believe in LA you get uh, maybe a Brandon Silvers gets pulled from the starting gig after one week right that would be the only thing I'm projecting right now Landry Jones and Josh Johnson to play Uh, Landry Jones was active as the QB three in the last game. He only didn't start because he didn't get enough reps. Josh Johnson is the one who's going to be more of a question mark this week. We'll watch that as the week goes on. So Philip Walker, the highest priced player on the slate, highest priced quarterback on the slate after having the week that he did and he deserves it. Now, do I think I want to pay up for him? I think he's in play, of course, in the Houston offense as before the preseason or before the season started in the preseason. We were raving and last week I discussed it, how it was going to be an air raid offense, how it was going to be an offense that threw the ball nonstop. They had no tight ends. They had no worries about throwing to their running backs. And you did not see that happen all that much in this game. So yeah, for Philip Walker, he's going to get this week. uh, And we're going off a one week of sample size. So it's just good to reference as a stat, but don't weight it too heavily. St. Louis, he's going to face them. They were ranked seventh out of eighth last week in pressure rating. Uh, When you neutralize that stat, pressure rating could be adjusted for not just the players that they were facing, but adjusting it towards the baseline. But they did rank number two in coverage. Um, You saw them, they get a sneaky, gritty win on the road last week. Uh, Philip Walker, though, things that did stand out as positives. Well, he dropped back 39 times. 34 of those 39, he was kept clean. So his offensive line was actually number one in the league in that regard, or number two in the league behind, actually, Philip Nelson in that regard. And he attempted the most deep passes, Philip Walker. 11 deep passes, was four more than Brandon Silvers, who surprisingly came in second. Maybe not as much of a surprise since he was playing from behind. 28.9% of Philip Walker's attempts were... Uh, deep passes. So it it was very good to see that. That's always great to see of the 39 dropbacks. So Philip Walker has deep ball upside, has a ton of wide receivers, four wide. They were playing a lot in this one. Um, They ended up having four wide receivers run at least 26 routes. And then they had a fifth wide receiver run in the mid teens. So uh, on those 39 dropbacks, so primarily running three wide receiver routes, but also had a ton of four wide routes. That's going to help Philip Walker a lot. Cardell Jones gets the same price as he did last week. And I want to be all over this price tag of $10,200, especially since it seems like right now, yes, Landry Jones is cheap. We're going to get to Jordan Ta'amu, who was the number two graded quarterback from week one and looked very good. The rushing upside, of course, there's going to be cheaper options, but not as much of the cheap options, right? Ta'amu was cheap last week. Philip Walker was the steal of all steals in the 7k range. So now you're kind of forced to pay up for quarterback in some regard compared to last week. Cardell Jones, he led all QBs in week one with 10 play action passes. That is very key. That opens up deep play upside. Um I, I believe he attempted five deep passes. He was kept clean on 62% of his dropbacks, which is not as great. So the offensive line in New York does not seem as good here. Um, he's going to go up against New York today, who ranks number five in coverage and number one in pressure a- after last week. Cardell was a number one graded quarterback, I believe at a 92 grading by Pro Football Focus after week one of the XFL. So, things that I like. The price point on Cardell, it's fantastic. He looked like the best quarterback from week one. When you break down all the advanced metrics, the play action passing was by far the highest clip used, I believe by double in the XFL last week. And let's just be honest, he wasn't needed all that much in the fourth quarter after last week after getting a lead. But the issues that I see is New York did have a very good pass rush. It was touted coming in. Their secondary looked fine. Um, Pass rush looked good last week. And Jones was not kept clean all that often. I mean, only 62% of dropbacks he was kept clean on. That's not one of the best rates in the league. So concerns there is just the time for Cardo to throw. You bank on his elite um, abilities. Uh, if they can set up any sort of a run here, which they were somewhat able to do last week, uh, you get the play action passes. Landry Jones at 9,500. Obviously, nothing to go off of last week. Dallas did keep Nelson clean though, on 80.4 percent of his dropbacks. That was number one from last week, but that stat might be skewed because Nelson was throwing it very quickly to the sidelines, throwing it a ton of times to all four of his running backs that were active. Um, RIP, Art and Payne owners, including myself. Um, but guess it didn't matter. Not a lot of running backs went off last week. 80.4 percent of dropbacks. So hard to judge that when he's getting the ball out so quickly. Jones should be able to move the ball deeper next week. Jeff Bidett was not used all that much. I had like three catches for single digit yardage because Nelson just wasn't looking downfield. I believe he only attempted two deep passes the entire game. That was the least in the league. So, um, not something that I want to look towards and really skew for Landry Jones, who should be a totally different quarterback. The price point, if he's being touted the way that he is, seems very nice. And then finally, my final interest so far, Jordan Tayamu, number two graded quarterback last week, the rushing upside was elite. Let me tell you some of these rushing statistics for a quarterback, nonetheless, 166.7 elusive rating. That was not number six out of any player, any single player that was not number six out of, including all the running backs. A 78.7% breakaway percentage was number two of any player. Number two behind, including any running back, any wide receiver, breakaway percentages. Just how many yards you pick up on first, second, and third down relative to the yards to gain. Um, Houston is number two in pressure, number three in coverage. So based on a one-week sample, very hard to base it off of such a small sample, but seems like Houston has a fine defense after last week. Again, the team that they were facing should not really um, indicate many things, but a lot of these statistics are based on neutralizing factors that try and neutralize quarterback play. Jordan Tayamu, the reason that you have interest in him, one, he is cheap. Two, his rushing upside is absolutely elite. Wide receivers looked okay for him as well. Um, if you want more breakdown on all these guys, as well as the guys that I'm not going to touch on my nose as of right now, you can go over to Patreon. I'll move over to running back and I will link up right now above my Patreon, um, which is not just like any other YouTubers Patreon, if you heard of it, where you can just go support them for five bucks. It's pretty much like a subscription service for my content. um, And what you get is NBA, PGA and XFL content right now all in season. And the XFL content is going to be a Monday or Tuesday, probably more of a Tuesday moving forward Maybe a Monday night. I did it on uh, Sunday night this past week. But a recap of week one, advanced analytics overview, the things that I think are going to be phony. We'll touch on a few of those here, but the rest on Patreon. Uh, in terms of some player performances that maybe are not sustainable based on their usage, things like that. Then Friday we'll do a final looks. I might do it Saturday morning now, just to prevent people from, um, I saw somebody on Established Run say some things, prevent people from um, just taking the content that I produce over here on YouTube and using it as their own. Uh, I might on Patreon do the Saturday morning final thoughts, probably put the tears out still Friday morning, and then also over here on YouTube, we'll have our final thoughts show probably on Thursday, which will give you just more of a sample size after injury reports after I do a little bit more analysis. But the closing stuff, the the way that I'm going to be going personally will be available over on Patreon as well as my rankings and tiers. Check that out. All that's linked up down below. Appreciate the support as an independent content creator. It is 35, 40% of my revenue stream. So one of my bigger pieces, I do appreciate it. Getting to running backs, you can see I have them all listed as X. X just marks that they're an interest of mine early in the week. I don't really have any concerns or interest, and I I think I have more interest in some guys. I'll have those labeled in Patreon, um, but I don't really have too much as of right now on Tuesday as definitive. Yes, I'm playing these guys. Um, But starting it off with Matt Jones, he played 48 snaps, 25 more than Christian Michael, which was a surprise last week. That was the third widest running back gap snap uh, or uh, running back snap gap. Look at nice little uh, rhyme there in the league. He had 21 attempts, only saw one target. He was the ninth graded running back overall. He was 24th in elusive rating and dead last of all the measurable running backs, which was only about 10 in breakaway percentage. That's not great. So what you got out of Matt Jones last week was quantity over quality question mark is what I have here in the notes. So obviously the usage is great. If you told me that he was going to get another 20 touches on the ground this week and St. Louis does want to run the ball, I would say it's going to be hard to ignore It's 5,900 where I probably only want to roster one running back moving forward. But he was not great at all. It could easily be Christian Michael getting more usage, was not that heavily used in the passing game with just one target, and his quarterback took away a lot of his upside with 77 yards on the ground, uh, and they relied on him in design run formats as well. So Matt Jones is going to be a flashy name this week. He might be one of the highest on running backs because of his price tag. As of right now, early in the week, I'm not that enamored with him. Yes, the touches were fantastic. He did not much with those touches. His quarterback's going to pull away from him. Uh, is it the Mark Ingram of, of the XFL where his quarterback and Lamar Jackson in the NFL was taking away a lot of his work and Mark Ingram was stuck to these mid-teens in middling performances with a couple of breakout ones? I'm not sure. I should point out, though, that running backs are not great in this league. I mentioned it last week. I had a rule that said at most two running backs in my lineups for max entering. I had 95% of my lineups with just one running back in there. A lot of those lineups are cameras hard and pain. Um, but to be said, I, I just would rather play wide receivers. You saw the wide receivers have much more steady and cons- consistent and upside performances. Even if you had a guy like Nick Holly, who's still labeled as a running back. Um, so I guess it's not a good example, but a slot wide receiver, obviously some of them went off like Spruce and, and, um, and a uh, But if you had a slot wide receiver, such as Cleo Lewis for Houston, catches a couple balls, finds his way in the end zone, huge performance in the mid-teens, outscores all the running backs, right? So there's so many wide receiver options you can go from. Running backs, I'm probably just going to set a rule to at most maybe one in my lineups. Um, I don't really have much interest in playing them. Nick Colley, a slot wide receiver, still labeled on DraftKings as a running back. At 4,800, I think I'll have interest. He ended up running 27 rounds last week for Houston, which seems like the best passing offense in the league. All of those are out of the slot. He finished with just five targets, so not great target share, but four catches for 40 yards. And if that's going to count as a running back, and if that's going to be maybe his average performance, 25 plus routes, it is going to be appealing to me. Again, I said, I want to get a lot of wide receivers in my lineups. If I can do that by rostering a running back this week in Nick I'll be sure to do it. Devon Smith seems very interesting. He was number two in touches in week one behind Matt Jones. He had 17 total, 16 carries and a reception, even in a game that Tampa Bay trailed the entire game. The entire second half, they were down two to three scores, and they still kept running the ball. He was number two in routes run for any running backs last week with 21, just behind camera Payne. Payne. He only saw one target, though, but he was number two in elusive rating. So Devon Smith, you're paying for it now, right? He is 7,500. He's the most expensive back. DraftKings got this right because he was the, in my opinion, best used back last week. Matt Jones was not used that much as a pass catcher. Did not grade out all that well. Devin Smith was used fantastic in the worst game script. Imagine if Tampa Bay stays in a game or is leading. He's going to see 20 plus touches. Joel Presley was fine didn't blow me away a couple of receptions 12 carries on the ground like he averaged 12 carries in the AAF Elijah Hood I just tweeted this elite snap usage 55 snaps 37 more than Rose who was the backup who played ahead of Dewan Harris that was the number one snap gap in the league, showing that he's a workhorse back the only issue is he somehow ran zero routes so if he's gonna be 6,500 and you're gonna get 15 carries out of this guy on a good day at 6,500 um But he's not going to run routes. How does that help me? Now, it was just one game. I get it. But running 55 routes, playing 55 snaps and no routes, that's not great. That's not appealing. James Butler might be interesting this week to many, but probably not to me. He played on 44 snaps, 36 more than Andre Williams, who was the starter in this one. Now, keep an eye on D'Angelo Henderson, who was injured and left early after playing just two snaps in the first quarter. If Henderson is back, I really don't have much interest in Butler. If Henderson is out, obviously, Butler becomes more appealing at 6,300 for a guy who did play 30 six more snaps than Andre Williams. But here's the thing. He only ran eight routes. He saw 11 total touches and he scored on two of them. So look, I think he's interesting because he'll get the usage. He'll probably see somewhere around 10 to 12 touches again if Henderson is out, maybe upside of 14, but they did not have any interest in using their running backs as pass catchers. Again, total between Andre Williams and James Butler, who played 44 snaps, only nine routes run between Andre Williams and... And Butler in a game where you had 39 attempts from Philip Walker, so they're not interested in using their running backs. It was very on par with what June Jones did in college. Only attempted passes to running backs in 9.7% of the time in college. That's about what you got in this game. So James Butler at 6300. If he was 5300, 4800 like Nikali, I'd have more interest. But paying the exact same price for. Butler, as you're going to pay for Elijah Hood, not that far off from the price points of Jarrell Presley. Um, I'm not too sure that he's worth it when you factor in what might be the ownership being high because people see a high score from last week and not a lot of people are going to do research. And that high score, they're going to say, oh, he's the guy I got to go to when really he scored two touchdowns. He was not that effective and he ran not, not many routes. So I get the upside because of his snaps, but I'm probably going to hold my horses a little bit. Cameron Sardin-Payne, a guy whose price point drops by $1,200. He led Dallas with 32 running back snaps last week. But the problem was all four of their running backs. Even Austin Walter saw snaps of at least 14. 14 for Walter. Marquise Young was on the field early, saw 15. And then Lance Dunbar saw 23. So it's really hard to like uh, Cameron Sardin-Payne when he's in a backfield of four running backs by committee. Not great. Now, he was the number one running back in route to run week one. He saw four targets, but he only had two carries. His one long carry of 25 yards in the red zone was called back due to a hold. Uh, LA did rank number seven in rush defense last week, but here's the deal. I have him as a maybe right now. It's hard to really get behind him when the last week might have been the best week we see out of him based on the amount of overall snaps he saw. The game flow that went there, him having four receptions, having only two carries is worrisome when there's four running backs in the backfield. Uh, his running back mate is another interest of mine, Lance Dunbar. Number two in snaps behind camera Payne. This font's a little bit small. Let me make it bigger. Number two in snaps behind Cameron and Payne. Um, here, so here's the issue with it. Uh, he had 23 snaps. He ran 15 routes. He had six catches on six targets for 29 yards. So 100% catch rate. Um, it's likely a factor of bad quarterback play, right? So they got behind. They should not have been behind in this game. Dallas is touted as the team to win the entire thing. Obviously, with Philip Nelson, they were throwing it short, so more passes for the running backs, where you had four for Camarasar and Payne, six for um, Dunbar. Young had some receptions. Walter was active in the receiving game, right? So I think it's worth fading this just Dallas backfield for right now with Landry Jones coming back, maybe not evident as much passing to running backs. I mean, if you're talking overall targets to running backs in this one, they had 15, I believe, targets to their running backs in this game. Uh, that's not going to happen moving forward. Uh, the four of them being used is not great. Running 15 routes on 23 snaps is fantastic for Dunbar. So if Cameron starting Payne to ever get injured or his role was reduced, Dunbar would see that direct benefit. But the price point's fine on him. I prefer Nick Colley just for stable usage. These guys are a little bit scary. Darius Victor, I can talk more about, as well as some other guys over on Patreon. Um... Let's move over to wide receiver, which is going to always be every single week since it's factored in with tight ends. And there's just a lot of wide receivers per team, like three to four that are viable compared to just one to two running backs per team. So let's talk wide receiver this week. Um, I'll just go through about half of my interest. The rest I will break down on the Thursday show later this week and or over on Patreon. These will all be detailed out, a little bit more detailed with my whys and, and what, whatnot. So be sure to check that out. Again, linked up down below. Also, be sure to check out Fantasy Draft. They're going to be, I believe we're going to try and work out a deal to sponsor these XFL videos, do some cross sport promotions, but... Right now, they do sponsor my NBA stuff. Just want to give them a shout out here. Their picture is up above. Rake Free DFS. I don't believe they're going to offer, or at least they, they said they weren't early on, XFL contents from when I was heard. Um, I didn't get a definitive no, but it was kind of foggy. Um, but from everything i played, their pick and roll contest on NBA is, is very good. Check that out. Link down below. So Nelson Spruce, the number one graded wide receiver for week one, 34.1% of his team's market share of targets. He was number one in routes run with 46 and he ran 41 of those out of the slot. So he was fantastic. The only concern is one, he's priced up now to being the most expensive wide receiver on the slate and two, he's going to have a different quarterback. So a backup quarterback last week for him and throwing to the slot makes sense there. Is Josh Johnson going to throw to the slot as much? I mean, when you have Nelson Spruce who came in as your number one receiver, it makes sense for them too. Um, So running 41 or 46 routes out of the slot was not something I expected from Spruce, but He's definitely in play. It's just now you're paying for the top dollar of it. And who knows if the same chemistry will be there with Josh Johnson likely to come back. Sammy Coates is a guy that I have interest in still. The price point even came up after last week, but I think it should have. Yes, the production wasn't there, but DraftKings is paying attention. He had nine total targets, was tied with his teammate Cam Phillips with a 23.1% market share of targets. He ran 29 routes, which was 12th in the league last year tied there. But he led all wide receivers week one with five passes of 20 plus yards. No other wide receiver had more than four. Sammy Coates was targeted early and often downfield. I mentioned that Philip Walker threw 11 times downfield, 20 plus yards. Five of those, almost half, were to Sammy Coates. There's going to be upside for this guy at 9,500 in this offense. I'm still in on it. DeAndre Tompkins, who missed last week with a foot injury, was listed as wide receiver one on the depth chart um, before that injury. I'm assuming he's still going to be wide receiver one. I'm assuming he's going to run his wide receiver one with Malachi Dupree and Eli Rogers at 3,600. DraftKings messed up here. Now he might miss again and it doesn't matter, but $3,600, they did a very good job pricing pretty much everybody else up compared to the soft pricing last week. But DeAndre Tompkins is still too cheap if indeed he suits up. Going to be one of the better plays in the slate. Flynn Nagel at 5,200 sees a price hike as he should, ran 29 routes out of the slot, had six targets. Um, none were downfield though. None were 20 plus yards. It's a solid price for what you would expect every week out of a guy like this. Five, six targets, catch four, five, six balls, somewhere around 50 yards for 5,200 in the XFL. If he's getting you around 10 plus fantasy points, you take that. Now his quarterback, Landry Jones is going to come back. Maybe some more upside downfield, keeping drives alive compared to what you got out of Philip Nelson's just short five, six yard passing. You could also argue with me that Philip Nelson helped Flynn Nagel in the slot more I would say he helped the running backs' passing game production more than anything. I think Nagel's going to be a stable part of this offense. 5,200 is a fair price point for a week where a lot of guys are now priced up. McCall McKay ran 29 routes last week, none from the slot all on the outside. So that's good to see downfield usage, but he saw only four targets and only one was 20 plus yards for him. And that was the 40 plus yard reception that he had. The the issue here is that New York being up by 20 for most of the second half, the defensive score doesn't help them move their offense back on the field. They didn't do much in the second half. They were up by two scores. The defensive score made them go up by three scores. Tampa Bay's bad offense did not help, um, guys like Matt McGowan have to throw the ball much, especially downfield. They threw less than 30 times in this game. That impacted McKay. So although McKay had a really bad week one, I'm not all out on him or the offense. It was just a situation where they were up by 20. They were up by uh, 13. They're by one to two to three scores the entire game in second half. They just didn't have to throw the ball. Eli Rogers at 9,700 seems like a steep price point. So here's here's the good, right? He had a 23.1% market share of targets from Cardell Jones. Uh, He ran 25 routes. 88% of those were out of the slot. He finished with seven catches, 73 yards on seven targets. You're potentially, or I think he potentially outplayed his usage, if that makes sense. So if DeAndre Tompkins comes back, it should only impact Rashad Ross. You should have Tompkins and Dupree on the outside. Dupree led the DC players in routes run, and then Rodgers in the slot. Rogers is by far the most crisp route runner, I would say, maybe in the entire league due to his XFL experience and just being a veteran there. So the seven catches, 73 yards on seven targets is great to see. I don't think he's going to have 100% catch rate moving forward. I don't know if he only runs 25 or 24 routes a week, if he's actually going to see this type of usage of a 25% target share. So you're paying for almost a $10,000 slot wide receiver like Nelson Spruce. Um, So I I understand the the debate that, oh, but Nelson Spruce is there. But Spruce compared to his other receivers on his team is much better than everything else on his team in LA compared to Saeed Blacknell. Maybe we'll see what Trey McBride comes back. So I think Nelson's in play for sure. I'm a little bit hesitant on him because of DeAndre DeAndre, uh, Tompkins return and the price hike now to 9,700 for a guy who seems like he did everything he possibly could in that game. And it just doesn't seem sustainable moving forward to catch 100% of your passes, to have such great separation like he did in this one. And to only run 25 routes and produce what he did here. So a little bit, maybe fluky. Khalil Lewis, same things can be said here. So yes, the Houston offense is fantastic. Um, Khalil Lewis played 100% of his slots from the snap or snaps from the slot with 26 of his routes. He finished with five catches, 45 yards and a touchdown. The late touchdown got him there on six targets. Just 15.4% of the team's market share of targets. So not fantastic. Prefer Coates here, especially at the increased price point. Look, I think Khalil Lewis is a fine option he was 4,100 last week. I thought he was a fine option there. I think he's a fine option when he's in the four or five, maybe 6K range, maybe even 7K range. But at 8,900, it's really hard for me to pay for Houston's slot wide receiver when Nick Holly pretty much had the exact same performance who's listed as a running back right now for 4,800. The only difference was he didn't score a touchdown, right? Um, Cleo Lewis went five for 45 and a touchdown. Holly went four for 40 on similar target share, and he's $4,000 cheaper. So, and he's listed as running back, which you can put in the flex or use as your running back spot. So Lewis's price point makes it a little bit restrictive, early on at least. Jeff Bidette at 8,700, I think he looks great. Terrible week one due to his quarterback play. Nelson had just two passes of 20 plus yards, like I said. That hurts Bidette, who's a speedster downfield. Landry Jones should uh, help Bidette more than anybody else on this team. Dan Williams ended up with the most receiving yards after week one six catches on nine targets for 123 yards and he had two drops he dropped two passes in this great performance it could have been even more um number three in routes run with 42 he looked really good in my opinion I think he's fine moving forward he looks like undisputably after week one the number one wide receiver in Tampa Bay now do keep in mind they were trailing the whole second half the entire game so they had to force the ball downfield but at least it was going to Dan Williams there Um, some other things to point out, Saeed Blacknall ran 43 routes, second most in the league. You probably don't really know who he is out of Penn state because he saw zero catches on four targets. Um, three of those four targets were 20 plus yards down the field. Here's the issue though, with Blacknall: like he looks like a sneaky play at 4,100, but, uh, Josh Johnson returning. Maybe helps with the deep ball upside. But if Trey McBride is, returns, who was out this past week, Trey McBride is ahead of Blacknall in the depth chart, so you might see Blacknall get bumped a little bit. But it was very surprising to see Blacknall lead this um, lead. It was pretty much Nelson Spruce number one and then Blacknall number two in the entire league, and they're on the exact same team in Routes run so Blacknall had a full on feature role. The only problem was he was pretty much running wind sprints down the sideline. So, um, 43 routes is very nice to see with a better quarterback in. Maybe that helps. So, if McBride is out next week and Josh Johnson is in, even if Josh Johnson's out, you can still take a shot on Blacknall, just a lot better if there's a much better quarterback in there. If McBride is out, Blacknall becomes one of the more sneaky plays in the slate. Um, two guys that were fine last week, but I probably stay away from due to price early on, at least Rashad Ross. He worked as a wide receiver three running just 21 routes last week. If DeAndre Tompkins comes back, I don't have much interest in Ross. You probably see similar to less work for him. Both of his targets though, uh, including the touchdown were 20 plus yards downfield. And then Austin Pearl, somebody that I think people are going to play at a high clip because of his two touchdown performance, 88 yards. He saw 25% of the target share week one with 10 targets for Seattle. Here's the issue that I have. He ran 93 point or he ran 93.5% of his slots uh, from snaps uh, from the slot. His 50 plus yard touchdown skewed his results immensely, right? So not often are you going to get a slot wide receiver breaking off a 50 yard touchdown because one, a player misses a tackle, and two, the safety takes one of the worst angles to tackle the player that I've ever seen watching any football. And that's what you're going to get in far less superior football than the NFL, but still quality. So it's a situation that Prol if he doesn't do that, pretty much has the performance that either Khalil Lewis had, a four catch day, 40 yards and a touchdown. And he's now priced up to 9,200. Very similar day to Nick Holly, outside of the obvious um, long touchdown run where you didn't have to do much on it. I'm not going to bank on that happening every week, especially with probably increased ownership coming to it. 9,200 is an insanely expensive price tag for Pro-L who has the worst quarterback and worst passing him in the entire league and succeeded immensely week one off of a very fluky touchdown in my opinion. So that's it for the XFL uh, early week show, right? So here we are in the early week. It's the early pick show. I'll probably label it as a pick show. And then later in the week, Thursday evening, maybe Friday morning, I'll come out with the final thought show, give you a little bit more analysis, why I'm picking some players. I favor some other guys with more. And then if you're interested, Saturday, I will have in the morning, a podcast up for patrons only exactly what I'm going to be doing, who I'm going to be playing the guys I like the most. Um, maybe I'll even do exposures if I end up 150 maxing once again this week. I'll have the tiers and rankings. So every single position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, I'll have it ranked and tiered for you all as well. So be sure to check that out over on Patreon. I'll have a live stream Saturday morning like we did as well over on YouTube. So I appreciate everybody tuning into this video. My name's Sal. Be sure to hit the subscribe button before you leave. Check out Patreon. Check out Fantasy Draft. All that stuff is linked up down below in the description. Let me know if you enjoyed this video, if you watched the entire time. Peace out, gang.